Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. I'm Chrissy Garrison, and I will be reading my science fiction stories to you. Previously on the Multiverse Blues, Jules started their job as a part of the Crew of Hopes tour. They meet the other members of the interdimensional rock stars crew, stage manager Harlan, general manager Marcy Davenport, drummer Dribbler, bass and backup singer Babs, and enchanting alien singing sensation Hope herself. Just about to pass through the arch to Gamma Earth, Jules and the crew are stopped for inspection by Beta Earth's dreaded TSA. Jules does not have an interdimensional passport. The Multiverse Blues, Chapter 3, Stones in My Passway Dribbler stood and handed me his flask again. Relax, pigeon. It'll be fine. Let old Dribbler handle things for you. Babs hid a smile behind her hand. Dribbler called to the ceiling. Zamboni, please fetch me some glow juice, okay? The buzzing electronic voice replied over the intercom. It will be done. I squinted at Dribbler. Uh, Zamboni? Dribbler shrugged. He makes things smoother. But who is? A panel opened from the front of the bus, and a science fiction horror crawled out. Okay, that's very human-centric of me, I know. But never having seen real live robotics more advanced than the Boston Dynamics robot dogs, Zamboni gave me the willies. The robot consisted of a glassy globe atop a central cylinder the size of two stacked beer kegs with three legs and three arms. The spindly appendages all ended in three-digited claws. The head globe revealed no specific face, but seemed to contain an irregularly faceted crystalline mass of some kind. Zamboni scrambled past me and up a wall and onto the ceiling like a deranged metal Spider-Man. The robot opened a hatch on the ceiling and reached inside, rummaging around. That's Zamboni, said Dribbler, with a gesture toward the robot clinging to the ceiling. I was far too busy gawping to come up with an intelligent reply. The others began moving around the cabin. Babs climbed the stairs and disappeared from view. Harlan put a hand on my shoulder as he moved past me toward the back of the bus. Don't worry your pretty little head about Zamboni. He's tame as my grandma's sheepdog. About as smart, too. I mean, sure, Zamboni knows lots more words, but a dog gets what you mean better if you follow. I nodded, watching Zamboni clamber back down to the floor. Dribbler fished a shot glass out of a panel above the seats and held it out. Zamboni unscrewed the thermos and poured an ounce of greenish-yellow liquid into it, then set about returning the thermos where it came from. Dribbler held the shot glass out to me. Drink up! I took the shot glass and examined it. Printed on the side was the likeness of an octogenarian Elvis head with the words, Graceland 2000. The liquid sat heavy in the shot glass, and it gave off the aroma of lemon-scented furniture polish. I peered at Dribbler over the rim. Yeah, uh, is now really the time for a shot? Dribbler grinned. Trust me, this is your passport to Gamma Earth. It's slightly radioactive. Radioactive? Are you kidding? Marcy hustled past, carrying a stack of folders and loose papers. Oh, don't be such a big baby. Drink it if you want to come with us. Doubts rose like ghosts within me. Why? Is this some kind of hazing? Dribbler rolled his eyes. What do you know about Gamma Earth? I thought back to what I'd seen on the web and said, It's like here, except they had a war in the 60s. Cities got nuked. Took forever to work back up to where they were before the war. Dribbler nodded. 
And everyone from Gamma Earth has radioactive isotopes in their systems. Like me. You're from Gamma? Okay, but is this safe for beta people like me? Dribbler frowned. Dude, I know we only just met, but give me a little credit. I'm not out to poison you. Give me a little leap of faith, and we'll get you through this, okay? Already far outside my comfort zone, I thought about why I should trust Dribbler or anyone here. Meow. Jasmine the cat sat up and stared at me and juttered her chin like a person tossing back a shot. I guess the cat was as good a reason to trust these people as any. Jasmine's comfort spoke volumes about the relative kindness of Hope's crew. Okay, Jasmine, if you say so, I said. Then I tossed back the radioactive liquid. That it tasted like thick, flat mountain dew comforted me not at all. Hope descended the stairs and she sang, Must we do this? Ms. Davenport took one of Hope's mitten hands into her own. I'm sorry to say we do. This place is almost as bad as Ox. And getting worse, if you ask me, said Babs, following Hope. We all have our papers. Everyone nodded in turn. Then Ms. Davenport handed me a folder. Here are Zane's. I took the liberty of substituting a picture of you. I wasn't sure about some of the details, but this is enough just to get you through. You'll be fine, said Harlan. You keep saying that, but you don't know the TSA of my world like I do, I said, glancing at the papers inside. Zane Dawson? Am I supposed to be some kind of soap opera star? Dribbler snorted. Yeah, yeah. We don't have those back on Gamma, but we do have rock and roll, so that name will do. At a knock on the door, Ms. Davenport glanced at each one of us, then opened it outward. She stepped out and spluttered indignation on our behalf, but the uniformed TSA agents remained impassive, taking the stack of folders and papers from her. One by one, we filed out to be processed. Zamboni got a thorough going over, but was sent back before anyone else. Dribbler told me they considered him equipment, so there was less paperwork to do. A couple of agents followed Zamboni in, inside La Esperanza. I wondered if they'd harass poor Jasmine. Ms. Davenport walked through the millimeter wave body scanner and answered some questions with undisguised irritation. She hovered about, fussing over each of the inspections once her own was completed. Babs charmed her way through hers, making risque jokes as they passed wands all around her body. Had it been me in her place, I'd have been upset about the extra attention the agents gave to researching her. Dribbler plunked his boots into a tray and gave a warning to the agents. They laughed and then shot him a dirty look as the boots passed by them. As he passed through the scanner, lights all around the machine flashed blue. I gathered this meant they picked up on his background radiation. After a thorough wanding and searching, they passed Dribbler through. Harlan breezed through without any trouble. My turn. My mouth dried out as I handed my papers to the agent. She looked from the papers to me and back. Zane Dawson, ain't I heard of you somewhere? I faked a smile. I certainly hope so, I said, nodding at the bus. She fixed me with a glare. That's supposed to be funny. No, I mean, yes, it's just that we're on tour, Anne. Yeah, yeah, I gotta say, you don't look like a Zane to me. I drew a breath, then paused, and said... What do I look like, then? She shrugged and went back to the papers. A Jane, maybe? Can't tell for sure. But it's none of my business what people choose to do in their own bedrooms. I let this comment pass by me as though I hadn't heard it. She waved me through the scanner. I stepped inside. The scanner passed down and up again. The blue radioactivity lights flashed, then turned red. I heard bolts slam shut as an alarm squealed. The scanner locked me in. 
Hey, I cried, my voice far too loud in my own ears because of the cramped, closed plexiglass booth. A speaker crackled next to my ear. We're showing an anomaly. I hated this part. The agents only had two buttons, the trouser guy and skirt lady. Neither applied for me. I'm non-binary, I explained. Yeah, we get that. N yeah, no, different anomaly. Your face scan doesn't match the Zane Dawson entry our records have for two weeks ago. I sighed, hope sinking. Now I might get away from it all by going to TSA jail. Federal prison, maybe? I bluffed. I was a bit hungover when I got here. Bags under my eyes, dehydrated. Maybe that's the difference? The agent who'd interrogated me shook her head. Nah, this is something else, sunshine. Or should I say, Jules Martin? I slumped. It was over. Dribbler's plan had failed, and now my troubles multiplied far beyond just skipping my own wedding. A strange keening trilled outside, penetrating even the thick walls of the booth. It warbled and modulated into a sort of music. Alien music. I turned to peer back at Hope, whose mouth yawned open as she sang. Her eyes closed. She fluttered her hands as though she might float up into the air through the power of song alone. The TSA agents all turned and stared at her, eyes widening, mouths hanging open. Their faces softened into something I thought I'd never see. The TSA agents smiled. A timeless moment elapsed as she sang, and then she shut her mouth and let her arms hang down at her sides. Her eyes opened and fixed upon me. She winked. The bolts shot back, and the booth opened to let me out. The fresh air of the arch station flooded in, and I stepped out and retreated my sneakers and cell phone. I eyed my agent, and she shrugged. You know what happens. The machine had you mistaken for someone else. But you're radioactive like anyone from Gamma, so Jules is just your local twin here. You're free to go, Zane Dawson. I just carried my shoes as I walked away, not wanting to be there any longer than I had to be. Funny thing, Zane, she called after me. You're the second twin in our system this week. System says another one of you arrived just last Wednesday. I let out a nervous laugh. If you see me again, say hi for me, will you? Will do. I watched them wave Hope through without even scanning her, since their equipment had no way to deal with her physiology. And, I think, because she charmed them with her singing. Once we'd all passed inspection, we got back into the bus and took our seats. That was closer than I'd have liked, I said to Dribbler. I thought I was done there for a horrible moment. Dribbler shrugged. It is what it is, dude. Now we're on our way through the arch. First time for you, right? I nodded. He grinned. Why don't you slide on up front with Zamboni and watch the show? The others nodded in agreement. I think it's damn disturbing, said Harlan, but worth seeing at least once. I made my way up to the front and let myself into the driver's compartment. Zamboni perched on a bucket seat in front of the steering wheel, using all three arms and one of his legs to work controls. Uh, hi, I stammered. I'm Jules. The robot made no sign he heard me. Hello, Zamboni. Greetings, he said. I attempted to make conversation. What are you doing, Zamboni? I am driving. I am sealing internal systems for traversal. I am speaking to Jules Martin. Please sit. I sat in the other bucket seat and swiveled to look forward. The arch stood before us. A two-story semicircle, its perfect mirror surface reflected the front of La Esperanza back at us. 
For all the world, we seem to be in the middle of a low-speed game of chicken with ourselves. Everything I'd read about passing through an arch to another universe had mentioned the chance for motion sickness and that it could have psychedelic effects on people. Seemed all reports said that there's nothing you can do to prepare for the experience. I'd also heard that time didn't work right between one arch and another. Time spent between didn't happen in the worlds on either side of the passage. How long will traversal take? The robot didn't answer me. Feeling a little irritated, I repeated, Zamboni, how long will traversal take? Traversal is instantaneous. Passengers will experience approximately 67 minutes elapsed time between arches. Before I could ask any more nervous questions, the bus seemed to smoosh into its reflection. I can't recall what happened when my face pushed through my own reflection because I passed out at that point. I sat at a table with a checkered tablecloth. Sitting in front of me on a plate was a stack of blue pancakes. The stack stretched upwards into the starry sky, thinning to a line, then a thread, then beyond my ability to see. Each pancake looked like a flattened earth. Zamboni danced around the table. The robot poured glowing green and yellow syrup from a thermos down the side of the pancakes. Babs lay across the table, her head propped up by one hand. She wore Jasmine's face instead of her own. She licked her nose and laughed at me. Sam and Patrick stuck their heads out from inside of the sack of pancakes. Sam burst into tears and threw her bouquet at me, and I had to duck out of the way. Patrick gave me a thumbs up, but then he too burst into tears. Curtains pulled aside and Hope and Dribbler began to play, Come on into my kitchen, and the pancakes fell into a pile. They spilled off the table. Sam and Patrick lost among the myriad earth cakes and sticky syrup. The floor began to fill up with the earths, and I had to swim my way to stop, stay on top of them, my arms and legs slowed by the sticky radioactive syrup. At one point, I was dragged under by unseen hands, but I kicked my way to the top again, only to find myself face to face with another me. We both gasped, then their eyes narrowed, and they put their hands on top of my head and shoved me back under the deepening pile of pancakes. I fought for breath and breathed in syrup and crumbs. I coughed and fought and lost all sense of direction. I screamed. My eyes flew open and I found myself laid out on one of the long couches of the main cabin of La Esperanza. Ms. Davenport leaned over me. Welcome back. Have any interesting dreams, hon? I nodded. I'd rather not talk about it. She smiled and patted my cheek. I don't blame you. I only did that one time myself. Still messes with me, even back here. I sat up in my seat, head swimming a little. What did that TSA agent mean when she said someone with my face had been through here last week? Harlan answered, I reckon one of your alts passed by, into your world from Gamma. So there's another one of me floating around my world? Ms. Davenport and Harlan nodded. Does that happen often, running into yourself? Harlan shrugged. Never have run into another one of me, but I know Dribbler has. Dribbler groaned. Yeah, I don't recommend it. Why not, I asked. Well, you know how most people don't like hearing their own voice on a recording? Yeah. Well, it's like that, but a hundred times worse. When you see them do every creepy little thing you didn't know you do. Not sure it makes sense, but it just feels wrong. Even worse when they do something you wouldn't do. Kind of like expecting another step downstairs when you're already at the bottom. I didn't really follow what he was saying, but I had another question. So what would my twin be doing in Beta, then? He shrugged. 
maybe looking for you. Maybe looking for the beta version of someone else in their world. Maybe just getting away from it all, like you. I pictured this other Jules running into Sam and Patrick. Maybe posing as me. A heavy feeling weighed in on my gut. Well, I guess I hope they have better luck with my life than I did. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places.